Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. What does your untamed faith and life look like next? What does my untamed faith and life look like next? And I want to help you contextualize this today because I think that God would have every believer in him, every yet-to-believe-in-him person live an untamed faith. I think even in, in the natural sense, we all want to live a little bit untamed. Oh, well, I do anyway. Um, I don't mean rebellious in a way that's harmful. I mean not constrained by culture. What it says, the way it thinks, in a way that is limiting to our faith and life. And so, you know, um, uh, I've put it here. The untamed are brave. They're fierce. They're, they're passionate in seasons. They're relentless. They are risk takers who go after the truly worthy and, and the God appointed. And, 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 and in terms of untamed, it's not a, you could think it's related to a risk, a, a, a risk taking kind of character or personality, sorry, uh, but it's not. You can be quiet and introverted and, and be untamed in your life and faith. It, it, it's, it, it looks different for everybody, but I believe God calls us all to it. And so when I think of untamed, I've I've put it like this. The untamed faith is a faith up for where God is leading and into what God is doing. An untamed faith is up for where God is leading and into what God is doing. And I put a tamed faith this way. It's this simple. It's a life that won't quite go there. Untamed up for what God's doing and where God's leading, tamed, won't quite go there. Simple enough? I wonder where you sit on the spectrum of that today. So as we go to this and we're going to leave this message, I'm hoping with you thinking about the question, what does your untamed life and faith, what might it look like next? I want to take us to a, it's really a quirky little passage in the book of Nehemiah. I've preached from Nehemiah many times. I've not spoken from it the way we're about to today. So If you're like, Darren's going to Nehemiah, I know where we're headed here. No, we're not. I threw that message out so that we could do this message here. And so where this comes from is a friend of mine said to Bron this week, I've really enjoyed the series. I've loved the untamed idea. I'm I'm kind of unsettled in where I'm at in a good way. And said, but I live a tamed life. And they went on to say they felt like unless they kind of packed up everything, moved to Calcutta, worked in an orphanage like Mother Teresa, that anything less than that would be something like uh, like a tamed life. And I thought, well, that's impossible. If I leave you all there, that's impossible for almost everybody, including me, because I've got no plan to go to Calcutta and work in an orphanage unless God asks me to do it anytime soon. So what does untamed look like? What does a rewild faith and life look like in your context? who you are, where you're at, here and now. What does that, what does that look like? And, and, and here's the thing, because my friend who raised the question, I then rang my friend and said, hey, um, can you tell me about this conversation? Because I, I think I need to try at least help people with it. Because this person, as I talk to them, they are blessed. Like if you looked at their life, you'd go, man, you are blessed. You are really blessed. Um, And it feels tamed because life is good. But blessed and tamed are completely different things. 
You can be blessed and live an untamed life. The Bible's full of people that God rose up that lived untamed life that was overflowing with God's blessing. I said to my friend, I said, your life isn't tamed. It's blessed and untamed. And I began to tell them about the things I hear from other people about them, what they've done and how they've, how they've impacted people. I said, everyone I seem to run into that encounters you talks about your impact on them. Your life is far from tamed. You are not living in the rhythm of culture and the way it says it and sees it. You are living this untamed, out there level of generosity that I see in few other people, maybe no other people. Your life is not untamed. I said, but I think it might have an untamed next. And I think that untamed next for you might be dot, 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 what do you think? And my friend agreed with me. And I'm hoping that that can kind of go on in you today. Because though your life might be blessed, it doesn't mean it's tamed. And at the same time, a person can be fully blessed and living completely tamed. And so let's go to this text where we see both things at play. Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 5. They're building the city wall or rebuilding the city wall. And it says, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. And uh, I think this passage is written by a Kiwi who is writing some Jewish history. And he calls them the men of Tekoa. Otherwise, how did that get there? And it says, but the, they were repairing the wall, but the nobles would not put their shoulders to the work. Interesting. The nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Verse 12 uh, is another section of the wall. And it says, next to him, Shalom, the son of Hello, Hesh. I'm sure that's precisely how it's meant to be said. The official of half the district of Jerusalem made repairs, he and his daughters. And here we see both going on. We see those whose faith and life, if you know the context, how God's rallied the people, etc., etc., they're living an untamed faith and life. The men of Tekoa, uh, this man Shalom, is there with his kids, rebuilding the wall of the city. What a great picture. I, I don't know. I reckon, I reckon if I was one of the nobles, those who should be doing more, those who should be carrying influence, those who should be setting a tone. I reckon if I was one of the nobles and I walked past the section of the wall where Shalom and his daughters, just his little girls, are working on the wall, blood, sweat and tears, I don't know about you, I reckon my head would go down. And, and, and in this scene, we see the difference between Tekoa Shalom and his daughters who are going, hey, we're going to live an untamed faith in life. We're looking to go where God is leading. We're look to, looking to be involved in what God is doing. And the nobles are in their hearts saying, we won't quite go there. And we get the picture of what this looks like. So what does a, an untamed life and faith look like next? Number one today, and I have four thoughts for you. Number one is where we've kind of started, but I want to make sure this is clear to you. Our untamed has a next. Your untamed life, whatever it's at, whatever's going on, whatever the history, whatever your position, wherever you're at right now, has an untamed next. At this point in time, their untamed next, the men of Tekoa's untamed next, was to rebuild the wall. When that work gets done a little later on, their untamed next becomes to restore the temple. And then a little bit further on, after the temple has been restored, their untamed next 
means uh, they, they rediscover the scriptures have been hidden and you know, lost and, and the, 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 the Jewish scriptures are refound and the, the, they now need to recenter the scriptures at the center of culture and their personal lives and it requires some bold moves and some big shifts and some really, really untamed steps forward. So at one time it was a wall and then the next untamed next was the, the restoring of the temple and then later on it was the, redis- the rediscovering of scripture and their untamed necks keeps moving along. And, and your and my life has an untamed necks that we're, we're living in, that we're coming to, that maybe is behind. I wonder what it is for you. That's number one. Number two. Number two is the tamed won't go there and they barely know it. What, what scares me about the nobles is that they unflinchingly won't go where God is moving. Talking to people of faith this morning as I make this point. We see here that the nobles are so concerned with their own life, their own comfort, their own influence, their reputation. These were people, men of standing. And not every person of standing was up for this journey. In fact, some of them were hostile to the work. And the the nobles wouldn't quite go there. I've put it here, the nobles miss it willingly. Isn't that interesting? The nobles miss the untamed life that God is calling them to, and they miss it willingly, barely without a blink, because the tamed won't quite go there. The nobles are playing it safe. They don't want to lose the comfort they've got. They don't want to risk the reputations they've earned. They, they, They don't want to in any way impede the status they have and the influence they get to wield. And all the time, they could have used it all for the purpose of what God was really about. The bottom line is, for me, they didn't want to interrupt their lifestyle. The nobles are playing it safe. They don't want to interrupt their lifestyle. They've got their life going on, and the tamed won't quite go there. The nobles lived better than most, and yet did even less than the kids. Find that, I find that interesting as a person of faith, that the nobles, living better than most, were prepared to do less than the children, even when a move of God was happening. And sometimes hard to see a move of God because it's disguised in hard work. But you can tell a move of God because there's change that goes on that is beyond their ability. And I think wherever you see Change going on that is beyond our human ability and our human capacity, and it's, it's related to people of faith. You've got to put it down to this is in some way a move of God. And where we see a move of God, I want to be in on it, not like the noble willingly missing it, but like the men of Tekoa and the girls with their father going, well, it just looks disguised as hard work right now, but we are right in the middle of a move of God. And we know that somewhere down the track, the ruined city, gets a wall restored and the temple renewed and all that comes with that and the scriptures brought back to the center of their culture and the city of Jerusalem, rather than becoming a shame to a nation, becomes a centerpiece of their life, a testimony to the miracle that only God can work when a people will turn up and go, you know what, we're going where God is leading and we're doing where God is working and we'll see this through and a miracle will happen. And the nobles, as all of this is unfolding before their lives, in their times, miss the whole thing. Why? 
Because God hasn't spoken to them? No. Because their life is too tamed to barely notice where God is leading and what God is doing. The tamed won't go there. Uh, But here's something I like, a contrast. And that is Nehemiah, who was clearly the untamed in the way he lived. And, and, And one of the things that I think that gives a hint at whether my life is tamed or untamed uh, one of the ways that I rewild a tamed faith if I find myself there, and I have been there plenty of times across my life, one of the things that really is a great gauge and a great rewilder of my faith is what and the way that I pray. And we get that from Nehemiah. Listen to it. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, just a little earlier than the part we just read. When I heard these things, when he heard about the state the city was in, he sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, you, you get the impression that this, is, this matters to him, that, 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 that there's something going on here, that, that, that he has been moved by what he's heard and he wants to move the heart of God to act. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, as he wraps his prayer, we see the untamed again. It says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man because he was cupbearer to the king. He was a guy who tested the wine. You know, if you've seen the movies, his job in ancient history was to test the wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned so the king didn't die. Not a great job if you turn up on the wrong day. But it was an important job. It was a valued and esteemed place. And Nehemiah prays his heart out and then goes to the king and ask him for exactly what's needed for the move of God and the plan of God to take place. Oh, his is an untamed kind of faith. And he prays, he prays passionately, bold, big, heartfelt prayers, prayers that move him and need God to move, prayers for people, prayers asking for the impossible, things that only God can bring to pass. And then there's this, and I love this because this is a great measure of an untamed prayer. Because the close of his prayer, like many untamed prayers by men and women in the pages of Scripture and across the course of time, often have this within them. Right at the heart of his prayer is, God, send me. God, use me. Yeah, I'm sure we've all met someone who's critical of the church. Not our church, of course, because it's, uh, it's near perfect. But other churches, churches are down the road and across the country, you know. And we say, oh, that church doesn't care. I'll be like, you can change that. That church doesn't do. We can change that. Church doesn't pray. Started with Nehemiah. We can change that. God's untamed. And so Nehemiah's like, the untamed say, send me, use me, God, here I am. And I think we want to come to it with that kind of spirit and those kinds of Prayers, the untamed life, the way we pray and the things we pray, powerful and rewilding our faith if it's lost its way in any kind of way. So number two, and then number three is this. It's about the difference between living tamed and blessed. One of the things my friend said to me was that they felt tamed because their life is so comfortable. And, you know, my life hasn't always been comfortable, but it's pretty comfortable these days. And I understand what he's saying. When you live in a degree of blessing, which this person does, lots of blessing, 
it, it, you're comfortable can feel tamed. And sometimes people's blessing does become their tamed. But I said to him, I said, yours hasn't. Your life is blessed, but don't dismiss that as a curse. That's God. Let's not attribute to someone else or something else blessing. Now that's from God. It's what we do with the blessing that makes it tamed or untamed. And I said, and as far as it relates to what you do with your blessing, man, you live off the chart in it. Your life's not tamed. It's completely untamed. You don't live like the cultural norms. You don't listen to the way that you should structure this and do that. No, you are generous on every front. You are generous in ways that, that, that look at, I look at Scripture and go, that's what the Bible calls us to. And, and it's in all occasions, it's to the people that my friend knows well, it's to the people he's never met before, it's to the trades he deals with. He was telling me a story just the other day about a tradesman he was dealing with and the going rate was X. And so he decided that he would pay Y. Who does that? I'll tell you who does it. The untamed, who understand they're blessed and take their blessing and turn it into more untamed living in their lives as God leads us and guides us and stirs us. And so blessed and tamed, it's important to differentiate between the two, isn't it? And so sometimes yesterday's blessing does lead people into tomorrow's tamed future. That's true. That's absolutely true. But it's not the way God wants it to be. God wants our, our blessing to be part of our perpetual rewilding and an untamed faith in life, to keep it central. And many times it's true. Where, where we have been blessed many times, it's true that it is part of our, un, it's part of our untamed next. I've been, if I've been blessed in an area, many times it's stretching into the, whatever God has next with that blessing that has come my way. So it's about just continuing to live that way. Abraham is a brilliant example of this. Listen to it. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I touched on this last week, but, but I didn't get to the thought. See, Abraham had lived an untamed faith in life, and in the process of that, not be, he ends up incredibly blessed, like very, 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 very blessed financially and with herds, and his life is incredible. I don't know if you know Sir Sidney Kidman. Sir Sidney Kidman, one of the great Australian pastoralists. Can't believe you nodded no, Beck. Sir Sidney Kidman, that great Australian, no, I'm only joking, who, who at one time was the pri largest private landholder in the world. This little old Australian drover owned more land personally than nations, Many nations. Incredible story. Why am I telling you that? I've completely forgotten. <laughs> I know, it was a good story. You should check it out. Sir Sidney Kidman. And someone let me know if Nicole's a direct descendant, will you please? Abraham was a little bit like Sir Sidney Kidman. That's what it was. He, he, he was a large, vast owner of cattle and flocks and stock and ground. And in the middle of that, in the midst of that, the untamed life had brought him to this very blessed place. God says to him, hey, I've got a next. And it's not here amongst this. Abraham, are you ready? And so Abraham's untamed life has led him to this place of blessed. But unless he steps into his next, all the blessing 
is about to become his tamed. Oh, well, what does Abraham do? Abraham says, well, God, I'm not exactly sure where we're going. It's a little bit like driving with me to the shop. Run and I'll be driving down this road here, going to new road, uh, going across town, and I'll hit the blinker to come left to church. Go, Darren, where are you going? So, oh, yeah. Other times we'll be coming to church and I'll drive straight past like I'm going to somewhere else. Like Abraham, he didn't know exactly where God was leading him. But where God was leading, he was going and what God was up to, he was up for because that's the way the untamed live and the tamed won't quite go there. And he is there in this moment as God steps him and calls him into his next and Abraham says, use me, Lord, send me. And he steps in and the rest is history. It's an incredible, incredible story. Blessing doesn't mean tamed. It only becomes tamed when the blessing of yesterday, the provision of yesterday becomes the place that I settle today like the nobles who won't quite go there and won't step into what God has next for us. But we're not those kind of people. We're like Abraham, that we're the kind of people who are going to step into our untamed next, that yesterday's plan and provision won't get into the way of today's purpose and tomorrow's promise, but that we will take wherever we're up to, whatever's going on, and we would be the kind of people who would be led by God into our unknown next and live it in an untamed way. Number four today. Let's talk about contextualizing your untamed next because Abraham had one. My friend has one. You know, I've told him what it is. I think what it is. We know each other well. I wouldn't try and tell you. And it will require a bold move from him, require a genuine change in the way he runs the rhythm of his life. But man, if he makes it, if he goes there, the future is even more remarkable. I have Untamed Next in my life. We as a church on Vision Sunday will talk about our Untamed Next. It's bold. It's bold. If God doesn't turn up, I'll be embarrassed. But history tells me in these moments that God does. Where God is leading, that's where we're going. What he's up to, that's what he'll be up for. What's your Untamed Next? Because your life has one. And it's most not likely not on the other side of the world in a Calcutta orphanage, of course, unless God calls you to it. I've got, I've got a friend called Albert Vermeulen. Albert, if you're watching the link, good morning to you and your family. And um, some of you in this room at least will know Albert. Albert, when he was a young man, he's um, South African. When he's a young man, some people might call it their gut feeling. He would call it a God prompting. He had a God prompting to become a doctor. And for Albert to become a doctor would require working in every spare moment to afford the university degree and to studying every other hour of the day because, well, it, it took a brain maybe, seemingly at that time, at least beyond his. But Albert felt like this was more than a good idea. He thought it was the untamed step that he needed to take and how thankful I am for Albert Vermeulen. About three years ago, I was walking out of Albert, or maybe four years ago now, five, whatever it is, I was walking out of Albert's um, rooms. I was already out, and I stepped back and I said to Albert, oh, Albert, I nearly forgot. Bron's got a little spot on her arm. Could you sneak her in anywhere? I literally had left. And I walked back in and Albert said, 
Darren, bring her in before work tomorrow. I'll see her at 8 o'clock. So Bron went in the next day. Very shortly after that, we discovered that Bron had a very, very serious cancer. If, and I think by the grace of God, I remembered, it's like a pop into my mind that I can only put down to God because if you know my memory, I don't remember things like that. And Albert had one spot. If we hadn't have seen him that next morning, we wouldn't have seen him for another three months because he was going away and then we were going away and Bron would have passed away. Now, I'm not saying that's the whole reason Albert felt the untamed call to become a doctor, but I tell you what, I'm sure glad he responded. I'm sure glad my wife's still here. And I wonder what the untamed next on your life has in the future that we can't see yet. But it has an untamed next, whatever that looks like. You know, in my life, the untamed next has been many things at many times. Sometimes, sometimes the easy thing is to go, right, I'm stepping out of this and all of that, and I'm just going into the next thing. And sometimes that is what it is. It's stepping into God's great unknown like Abraham did. And sometimes that's it, and your heart's racing. You're like, gee, this better work. A lot like Vision Sunday over the years where I'm like, I think this is God. I think this is right. Okay, I'm 90% sure there's a 10% gap. God, if you don't turn up, man, we are dead in the water because I cannot pull this thing off. And over the years, God has. And sometimes it is that. It's just stepping into God's great unknown. Other times, the untamed step is to stay in the known when you want to leave where you're at for sure. They're equally untamed. One is the absolute unknown. One is the known. In fact, I can tell you in my own life, the hardest untamed season to do was not stepping into the grand, feeling big, like pioneering unknown. That, that takes some guts or whatever, stupidity. Or, and the, but, but this, this takes courage. That this might be all it is. That takes untamed, depending on how you're wired. And untamed can be all kinds of things. It, it really could be and often is the case that our untamed's next is, is stretching again, stepping out boldly on the blessing that God has already created in our life. And we get here like Abraham and God says, you're ready? You're comfortable? It's all right, enjoy the comfort. But don't get tamed by it. Let's step into the untamed next. I'm not sure what it is for you, but I know God's got it for you. Maybe it's living graciously and inclusive, living wildly generous, living biblically hospitable. Oh, what a grand and glorious idea is the Acts 2 church in all its glory to me. Maybe it's going spiritually deep to live with the Spirit's edge if you're a believer. Maybe, maybe that's the untamed next for you. Adding your blood, sweat and tears to where you see God is in a thing, making a bold move into a new venture, staying where you are when everything wants to move on, trusting God with it that's unseen despite what is seen. You know, and personally, I think like the wall in Nehemiah's day, I personally think that in 2020 and across this decade, God is absolutely up to something in His church. And there will be nobles who don't respond to it. They won't quite go there. But there will be the others who say, God, I think you're in it. Where you lead, I'm going. What you're up to, I'm, I'm in for. I think we're that kind of church. There's going to be a post-COVID 2020. COVID hasn't gone yet. Post-COVID 2020, there's going to be some kind of rebuild for the church. 
But beyond it, there's going to be an expensive future for it. What does your untamed next look like for you? I'm going to close with the words to a song by Macklemore. Some of you know who that is. It's a great poet. It's on my playlist. The song's called Good Old Days. It says this. I wish somebody would have told me, babe, that someday these will be the good old days. Because someday soon your whole life's going to change. And you'll miss the magic of the good old days. Maybe these are the moments. Maybe I've been missing what it's about. Been scared of the future, thinking about the past while missing out on now. Too tamed for God's wild, I've been sitting out of sight. But I know this is the moment and I don't want to miss that now. I added the last bit just for effect. But it's true, right? I've spent so many years of my life looking to the future and it's been in the now. And, and one day these will be the good. I know that one day I'll look back and go, man, they were good days. They were good days. Right now, the future's coming. They'll, they'll become the good days. So let's be those who go, you know what, right now, here, now, what I have, who I am, let's determine that we're going to live the untamed life in Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.